Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Hey, everybody. Mark here. And before we jump into today's conversation, I'd like to invite you to consider a year-end gift to the online ministry here at Menlo Church. The gifts that we received during the months of December fuel what we were able to do in 2023. As we start the new year, we want to start it strong as we're welcoming on Phil Eubank, our new senior pastor. And now that he's on the team, it brings a lot of exciting opportunity to help people find and follow Jesus online. I'm thinking back over this past year and just am so encouraged by the stories of people that we've been able to disciple, not only here in the Bay Area, but all across the world. We've had people sign up for discipleship classes online. I've been able to pray with people through the internet or through the phone. And we've even had people get baptized right here in person because of this online ministry. So I'm especially encouraged by that. And I'm praying that God will continue to move through this ministry in the year of 2023. And we can only do it with your support. So for more information around giving, head over to menlo.church slash give. Now, let's jump into today's conversation. Welcome to Menlo Midweek, everybody. My name is Mark. And my name is Jessica. And Cheryl is back with us. (laughs) Cheryl, you get in its tradition at this point to create your title. Oh, Um, right. You've been queen of all things. Oh, that's right. You have been, I'm here. I'm here. What are you this week? (laughs) This week, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> um, bearer of the Christmas story. Ooh, I that's like a that. good one. Yeah, I mean, it's been fun because I'm preaching in this yeah. Christmas series. And so, you know, it's funny. My house doesn't have a single Christmas decoration up because. <gasps> Blasphemy. I, I know. And I have like four boxes of oh stuff God. in my garage <laughs> that I moved here with almost three years ago. I just haven't figured out my Christmas mojo in this mm, new place. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, last year I did put out the three wise men. Okay. Um, who I'm going to talk about next week. So maybe Ooh. I should bring them a little teaser. teaser. Like, are they like the lawn ones that go in the front? Or are they like little figurines? They're little or? figurines. Okay. I like to think. I bought them at an after Christmas sale. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. yeah. The great. first year uh, we were down pandemic mm. right? So... I was down in Orange County, Mark's part of the world, and mm-hmm. <laughs> went into a little boutique. It was really cute. Mm, fun. Yeah, you could. Magi. We could put up the little table on the stage, and they could just be there on display. Yeah. I could point out that we don't know if there were actually three. Uh-huh. That's so mm-hmm. yes. But it is. There's lots of fables around Christmas events. There are. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, I, so in some ways, because I'm preparing for these Christmas sermons, mm-hmm. I'm feeling maybe more deeply Christmassy than... Sure. I have. Yeah. So that's been good. Nice. That yeah. is really good. I feel yeah. like there's always a division for me personally on staff. It's like, because we start planning Christmas totally. months before Christmas August. gets here. Mm-hmm. And then during Christmas, it's just like a whirlwind of where are we at and what we talked about. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like there's not really a great marker for us as church people to be in and present in the Christmas story time mm-hmm. yeah. Advent series. And so- yeah. That's that's something I've been really appreciating about this year because I come on the same page here. Mm. We're just like it actually feels like Christmas this mm. year. Good, cool. Wow. Do you that's do cool. you share that opinion, Jess, or are you just <laughs> all Christmas all the time? I Christmas is in my heart all year long. It is. So, um, it is weird, like being the Chris, the project manager of Christmas, because mm. yes, we start talking about it usually like August. If I mean, maybe you guys leave even a little earlier, just yeah. brainstorming theme mm-hmm. ideas and stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. But 
end of October is when it starts to really get busy for me for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's weird because I'm like, Halloween hasn't even happened yet. Right. And I usually get more excited about Christmas like a week before Thanksgiving. So it's just this like constant like getting ready for it. And then usually December is actually like a slower month for me because everything is like ready to go at this point. But this year being more involved in the production stuff and then producing Mm -hmm. the Sunday services as well as Christmas Eve services. I'm like, no, I'm not getting a break till January. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't mind because I still love Christmas even after this is my fourth Christmas project managing. I still love it. What's your uh, go to? What album says it's it's real? NSYNC Christmas album. It's the best. That was mine. It's my... My it has to be. I've heard a couple. I had, I remember this year. I heard a couple songs like on the radio or like if I was at someone's house and yeah. they were playing it, and that's fine. But the first one I choose to listen to has to be the NSYNC Christmas album. Okay. So can I ask a question, yeah. Mark? You can edit all this random conversation here, but <laughs> no, um, everybody loves this. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, so because I once you get past like twenty five, you don't know what happened what year. Sure, just want to <laughs> yes. say that yeah, yeah, yeah. accurate. Um, but. Did that sync Christmas happen for you in college? No. Or high school or high junior school. high? Or okay. So yeah. I'm just yeah. curious what your Yeah. The, okay. Their Christmas album was actually the first CD <laughs> CD of mm-hmm. theirs that I owned. I got it for Christmas. Really? The year it came out. And then I got their um first album. Uh, so I rem- I have this like vivid memory. We were driving up to Oregon to v- be with family, and my dad had a truck, and he had like the um, you know, the case. What's it called? The gun case name for it. The <laughs> the thing. I can't think of what, what it's was called. It called. Like the CD. No, 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 no. Sorry, I'm thinking of like to cover the truck bed. Oh, like a tonneau cover. Sure. Or yeah. It's camper shell. Camper shell. That's okay. what I was looking for. Um. We ha- we case. put that on there so because like his back seat was super small, so my brother and I would switch like laying don't tell the cops laying down in the back in the totally. truck bed yeah and I just remember with oh. my red Walkman listening to the NSYNC Christmas album laying down as we were driving back from home from Oregon and I got that okay. like weird memory and I was a huge boy band person and sync I still am of course and <laughs> sync was my favorite and so that album is like. So nostalgic, but actually like so good. good Still album. so good. And the Hanson Christmas album hmm. and, and 98 Degrees as well. I mean, wow. pop music in the early 2000s was my jam. Okay. So I'll, I'll date myself because Amy Grant Christmas. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And so good. Here's how I date myself because like you have those memories around mm-hmm. it. Freshman year in college that came out. Just oh, yeah. FYI to I. How old I am. <laughs> and I... Went to college in Texas from California. And, you know, she has oh. the line in Tennessee Christmas yep. about, what did she say? What's the line oh, about gosh. California? Where's Brett Corton? Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, There's no some, snow up in Colorado. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She's, yeah. No, yeah. She says something about California yeah. and not having snow yeah. or whatever. But, you know, it came out and I'm a California kid. And this was before <laughs> all Californians went to Baylor. There were like four of us mm-hmm. from California at Baylor. And, you know, so it was just a like kind of a little rally call yeah. to the, mm-hmm. touch to my my people. I just but, listened to that album a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And that song, like, I think it's just called Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Emmanuel. Uh, mm-hmm. Boom! Wonderful counselor. <laughs> like, 
just—it's just a great. Is that Christmas our opener album. for Christmas this year? Yeah. Well, and I had been be, a Christian be. for like a year, right? So oh, yeah. Let me say that too. Like all that that Emmanuel, the worship stuff on there, not just Tennessee Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I was all in. Yeah. Mm. So good. Yeah. Mark, what about you? Definitely in sync Christmas as nice. well. Okay. Or, um, I remember in Japan when I was living there, we rented a car with some friends and we drove and we did a little road trip for Christmas and that was Pentatonic's Christmas oh, album. Oh, nice, fantastic, yeah. right? So yeah. that was obviously much later in life, yeah. but yeah. first, first and early memories were definitely around. Yep. And sync Christmas or any pop Christmas. My mm-hmm. dad had that subscription service to like Tower Records or oh whatever. We used to pick yes. like <laughs> ten CDs. Yeah. So I remember it was like, Marky, what CD do you want this month? And so I'd always get to pick one. Mm. And we went all Christmas CDs for yeah. obviously the month of December. Yeah. That was one of them. We had one of those history. like Christmas oldies, Billboard hits or something. So that's what I like grew up listening yeah. to. Mm. But then like the NSYNC was my heart and still is. Yeah. Well, speaking about things in our heart, yes. let's talk about Jesus <laughs> and the message from this past weekend. And how we ponder them yeah. in our hearts. So yes. Cheryl, you got to speak this week mm. and continuing our Advent mm. series, The Gift. We'd love for you to summarize your message, then we'll jump in from there. Um, yeah, I think the summary of the message would just be in light of our theme, which uh, fortunately the theme is biblical and not just random. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I think the summary is that um, God's grace uh, transcends our doubts, our disappointments, our discouragements. Um, God's grace is deeper, wider, uh, and and uh, so you know. Ultimately, I ended up talking about. I was supposed to talk about Mary, mm-hmm. and I did mention her. Little shout out to her uh, <laughs> I because that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in studying her. Because I, I was, that was my assignment. Matt Stefan assigned my mm-hmm. sermons. And um, in studying Mary, you, you know, anytime you're studying the scripture, you got to look at the context. Yeah. So I was just in the whole chapter of Luke chapter one. And I couldn't get past Zachariah mm-hmm. just for me personally. Yeah. Like it just met me in a really deep place mm-hmm. for me. And so as I said at the beginning of my sermon, uh, the sermon was really... Uh, I didn't say it was for me because I don't want to lead with complete narcissism, but I said- <laughs> But it was there. It was there. That comes right? later. <laughs> it's all about me. Um, no, but just, yeah, I just said, uh, you know, today is for the discouraged, the disappointed, and the doubters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of really um, where we went with Zachariah and how God's grace showed up for him even when he was doubting and God allowed him to still participate in God's story. God allowed Zachariah to, you know, have this, um, I mean, he was punished. It's funny because when I sent my notes to some people for feedback, and I think I had, you know, Zachariah's punished and somebody was, Mm -hmm. you know, not not just somebody, a couple people were like, I think you need to change that. That's going to be really offensive. And Mm. I, I, I mean, it is a discipline, but again, biblical language, it is a language of punishment. Mm. And we don't like that. Yep. We we don't like the fullness of God. We like like sections of God, right? And so, um, and I think sometimes when we do that, when we section out God, we end up actually missing the part of God we love the most. Mm-hmm. Because what was so beautiful to me to see was that, yeah, uh, Luke, number one, he was definitely just from a literary 
standpoint, he was setting up, he was juxtaposing Zachariah with Mary. He wants you to see Zachariah's mm-hmm. doubt, mm-hmm. but he wants you to see God's grace mm-hmm. and then to take you to Mary's belief and to see God's grace there too. But, you know, Zachariah, because he doubts, the angel says, um, you're going to be silent mm-hmm. for nine months, or I don't even know if he gives a time frame in the thing, but it ends up being through the pregnancy, right? right. And so, uh, you know, he says, because, you know, because you doubted, because you didn't believe what I mm-hmm. said. And so there's this, I mean, again, sorry, you know, <laughs> we don't like the word, but there's this punishment or a discipline or, a, you know, whatever, however you want to see it. But it was that. But what was so beautiful to me was that that's actually I would probably say if if we could have Zachariah in the circle, he might say uh, that's where the most grace showed up for him. Mm. Um, where and I think a, like a, a child who had good parents, you know, who disciplined correctly, not um, incorrectly or with anger or rage or whatever, but um, would say, you know, I'm thankful for my parents that mm. they that there was there was discipline in my in my family and and they did. Mm-hmm steer me because that's what you know discipline is meant to steer us into the right direction and in that discipline of being made silent um i think zachariah really met with the lord Mm -hmm. and really he he that was a grace to him so so interesting that (laughs) a you know like a consequence of your actions Mm -hmm. which at the time Mm -hmm. you can have so much disappointment around that 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 disappointment doesn't necessarily disqualify you from the grace in which you can receive. And I love that. I think that was the mm-hmm. first of, of two mm-hmm. points that you made. Mm-hmm. How did you arrive at that? Yeah. Um, you know, again, I was studying Mary and you don't even want to know how many pages are went into the trash that were all about <laughs> and the commentaries I read about the Mary part. Um, but uh, I think as, you know, again, I kept tripping back over Zachariah as I was looking at the context. And I was so, um, I think sometimes like when you're reading the scripture, um, to slow down, that's our, our, mm-hmm. uh, that's our, th- our practice, our formation practice this month is slowing mm-hmm. down or through this series. And when you read the scripture, if we can slow down enough to put ourselves in the story, um, mm-hmm. especially narratives like that, I think they're meant to for us to put ourselves in there a little bit because a narrative isn't just didactically telling us something it's showing us something Mm. and so I was seeking to do that as I was meditating whenever I prepare a sermon I always try to sit in the passage just personally devotionally so some I'll actually if I know that that passage is coming or I'm going to be teaching it uh, I in my preference it doesn't always happen this way but my preference would be that I spend a week or so just sitting in it devotionally before I start going down the the lane of the exegetical work. My time has been a little more crunched <laughs> lately, but mm-hmm. so um, I was trying to do that kind of simultaneously where I was reading commentaries, I was looking at the Mary stuff, doing the con- context work, but also trying to sit. And and I think I just, it was just in sitting with it and and then even some of the commentaries and the helping me understand some of the words that were used and and what Luke is doing as a author as a writer um that for me personally I've 
the past three years have been really disappointing, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always said this in ministry. Um, you know, I'm a person, got, Jesus grabbed a hold of my heart when I was 17. Um, but I've, but I've always had doubts still. It's not like I became a Christian and all my doubts went away. Mm -hmm. And so I think I just related. I related probably at this age in my life. I, I related so much more to Zachariah than I did to Mary. Mm. And, Mm. um, and I was encouraged. So. I noticed that you, you made that distinction Mm -hmm. and I'd I'd like for you to kind of unpack Mm -hmm. how you got there as well on Mm -hmm. the comment of, (laughs) Mary's age mm-hmm. and her ability to believe, yep. and then mm-hmm. Zachariah's age and his yep. ability yeah. to believe. Yeah, I wrote that as a note too. To, mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, and as I mentioned, I and I said it in the sermon. I became a Christian when I was seventeen. Um, I think that you know it was grace to Mary. It's not a again. I also talked about there's no formulas. Like it's better to believe when you're sixteen. It's better to leave, believe when you're thirty four. Um, Mm-hmm. But I do, and I have a number of friends who have come to faith later in life, mm-hmm. and uh, that journey is just such a different journey than you mm-hmm. have when you're young. And I think all are a miracle. Um, I, I hate it when I hear people say, "Well, I don't really have a good testimony. I don't have a good story. Mm-hmm. I became a Christian when I was three, you know, with my mom." And and I think, mm. <laughs> okay. Because maybe it doesn't feel like it was a good story for you, mm-hmm. but I believe salvation is always a miracle. I believe that God's pursuit of us is always a grace. I always, mm-hmm. I believe. So if He chose to do that miracle in your life at three, what a grace! What a kindness! What a beautiful pursuit! Um, if He chooses to do it at thirty-five, mm-hmm. what a grace! What a kindness! Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends who came to faith in their seventies. You know, what a grace! What a kindness! So. I, you know, if it's about Jesus and we've gotten, then, then I think we see the miracle. We see the grace. We see the, ah, oh, this is about Jesus um, and not the formula of the story. Right. And um, so I just have to say that because I think the temptation would be, well, which way is better, right? Or which way is more profound or which person had a more real, I don't know. Um, but I do think um, that as you, you know, as you get older, uh, you know, life hits you. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and for the 16 year old, I, again, I don't want to, it's not a competition when you're 16 and you just lost your boyfriend. That's the, that's like, feels like the end of your world. Right. And it's, right. it just is, it is. Mm-hmm. But, um, like I used to say when I did student ministry, so I did high school ministry for 10 years, then college ministry for 12. And then I started doing adult ministry after that. And that's what I've been doing the past hundred years. It feels like, but anyway, (laughs) I, you know, when I did student ministry, which is wonderful and everything's theory, right? So in high school, it's the, well, one, you're just the smartest people on the planet. I I, want to be 23 again or something (laughs) or, or 16 or 15 or 14, you know, and then you go into college and everything's th- working with college students, right? Um, it's a theory, what your family's going to be like, who you're going to marry, um, what job you're going to have, what your life is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then when you work with adults, that theory has become reality. And so yeah. you're sitting with people who thought or maybe even did marry their soulmate, quote unquote, in college and their soulmate 
um, had an affair and left them. Uh, they were going to be missionaries mm. and they couldn't ever get to the field and couldn't raise the support or whatever it was and the dream that they had or they were going to have three kids and they struggled with infertility for 10 years and ultimately made choices of either adoption or just, you know what, maybe we're not, we're not going to have kids and didn't choose not to have children. Um, you know, I'm going to get married at 20. I mean, this was me. I'm going to get married at 25. I'm going to have my first kid at 27 and um, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've never married. So, uh, you know, yeah. So life hits you and the disappointments become, um, you know, or, and then deaths and losses of children mm -hmm. and, um, I remember sitting with a group of friends, girlfriends, who we had all known each other in our early 20s. We were at a friend's lake house, and we were sitting in a circle just chick talking about life. I, at this point, we're probably in our 40s, maybe late 30s, early 40s, and uh, we were all just talking about how our lives weren't what we had. We were, we were all single in our 20s, and now sitting in that circle, two of us had never married, which we both wanted. Uh, one went through the infertility um, journey and ultimately adopted children. Uh, one friend at that time uh, had her second child was severely, severely special needs, medically fragile. Um, and then another friend in that circle, uh, her husband, who was a good friend of all of ours, um, died at 32. She's 32? She mm -hmm. had a two-year-old. They had a two-year-old. And uh, so, yeah, mm. life is, yeah, not, you know, the story's different. Yeah. Yeah, you had said um, the older we get, the more we've been through, and it's harder to believe. Mm -hmm. And that Zachariah was the only one that the angel came to that actually doubted, whereas everybody else just kind of jumped on board, if you will. Yeah. And I think that's just, like, I, I just love thinking about that mm -hmm. part, because yeah, if if I was, you know, in my teens or early twenties, mm -hmm. and you have all these hopes and dreams and beliefs, and and you know, the older you get, the more life hits you, and the more realistic it can be. And um, what advice would you give somebody, mm -hmm. you know, and or mm -hmm. you know, what advice would you give me, Cheryl, mm -hmm. as yeah. someone who very similar situations <laughs> yeah. has these desires and hasn't gotten there yet, and still has hopes and dreams for them, but you're it's just so easy to feel disappointment and mm -hmm. doubt. And um, what would you say to someone who's struggling in that season right now? You know, the first thing that came to my mind, Jessica, was I probably wouldn't give you advice. Mm. Um, because I think I, I would, I think I would hope um, I'd probably, if you said to me, do you have advice? And we were sitting at coffee, not in the stern. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I would say, I don't, I'd love to give you advice because I like to give advice. <laughs> um, but I'd rather ask you some questions mm. and just walk out what you're experiencing. Mm. And, mm. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I think the hard part is that advice is usually rooted in a person's own individual story. Mm. And my story is not your story. 
Yeah. Um, and I think we could share our stories and I think I could share maybe some things that had been helpful, but I probably shouldn't lead with that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say mm. this out there. Mm. You can reach out to Eddie Pastor. <laughs> like we mm-hmm. would all love to talk to you if you're in a mm-hmm. season of, mm-hmm. you know, any of those things. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's why we're here. And mm-hmm. you can text us at 650-600-0402. Perfect. And we'll get to you or email mm-hmm. cfletcher at menlo.church yeah. or mm-hmm. go on the website and any pastor, I think Adam said this once, that is literally what they love to do as a mm-hmm. pastor is talk to you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I recommend if you're feeling any of those, you know, negative or even positive things and you want to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. I think that's a great, um, that's a great step right there. Yeah. You did say too, um, in your sermon that Zachariah doubted and the story stayed the same. Mm. Zachariah doubted and his participation in God's story yep. remained the same. Yep. I love that because I think <laughs> so many, especially newer Christians mm-hmm. and a lot of us who grew up in a different, um, you know, I, I did grow up in the church, but mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of churches that um, disapproved of doubt and mm-hmm. disapproved of questions. Mm-hmm. And so I love hearing that of like, Yes, he did doubt, and yes, he um, struggled to believe this, but it still happened anyways. Totally. I, I just love that. Yeah, I think I, you know, just if you walk out the journey with Jesus, you guys know, I mean, one, if you look at a lot of the healings that Jesus did, sometimes people ask to be healed. But sometimes they weren't even really asking to be mm-hmm. healed, and Jesus did what they didn't even ask for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then one of my favorite uh, moments is that uh, that moment when you know uh, Jesus says, "Do you believe?" And there does seem to be some th- places where you know their faith kept kept something from happening. I mean, it's messy, right? It's it's messy. But that's why if we got to be careful about formulas, we we mm-hmm. just can't do formulas. But mm-hmm. But, you know, the guy who says uh, to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I, I probably prayed that prayer 5,000 times. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think you look at, at Peter, right, who's all in one minute. No, I'm going to be there with you, Jesus. And no, you're not supposed to die. And you're not going to die. And I'm not going to betray you. I'm not that one, you know. And, um, and he does, Mm -hmm. but he still, and that's, I've always, that John 21 is probably my favorite passage in all of the Bible because the dignity that Jesus gives Peter, who did deny having relationship with him, did deny knowing him. And then Jesus's, uh, response to him is he's still included in the story, right? Mm -hmm. He's still going to be the, the one that he builds his church upon. That didn't change Mm -hmm. because of Mm -hmm. Peter's ups and downs and all arounds, so. Mm. That's such an encouragement. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's it's nice to not feel disqualified, not feel like doubts will, I mean, in some cases, they will change your circumstance. We've talked about how, Mm -hmm. you know, your action, there are consequences to actions. Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't mean that you're disqualified Mm -hmm. for the greater good or the bigger plan or whatever that is. Uh, we were watching online, mm-hmm. and we actually had a few questions that mm. were sent in. And awesome. so I'd like to read one of them now. It's mm-hmm. from Jay and Kathy Platt from Hi, Redwood Jay City. Hi, Jay and Kathy. <laughs> they were commenting and would like to know, what can angels at work look like today? So Ooh. we see these stories of angels in the Bible. Mm-hmm. 
Is that something that can happen today? Are there mm-hmm. different kinds of angels? What will that look like in the year for, of 2022? Well, do you want to know all the things I brought about angels? Because we've got <laughs> so much. Cheryl, you, you know I'm down for any angel. <laughs> I know. I was almost so, thinking maybe we man. need to do a bonus episode Ooh. just on angels because yeah. this feels like we're covering a lot of ground. But um, my quick answer mm-hmm. is that absolutely angels are functioning today. We know in Hebrews chapter 13. Um, the author of Hebrews says, uh, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Hmm. Yep. I think the thing that we have to be careful of is, um, there's some misnomer. It's kind of like the the legends around the Christmas story, you know, like, mm-hmm. were there really three wise men? Were and, and who cares? It doesn't really matter. It's not point of the thing. But I think what we want to be careful of is it's just some things that I hear out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't become angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to many a funeral where there's kind of people have expressed like the, and they've become an angel, mm-hmm. you know, uh, angels are created beings. They aren't uh, eternal beings like the Trinity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're like us. Mm-hmm. They were created. They are not like us, though, in the sense that they're created differently. Mm. Um, they are uh, spirit beings. Um, they we know from the scripture. Let me see. I got I got a few lists of things. So let me. <laughs> I, I came prepared because there's so much about angels, and anyone can Google, and you might get some really bad advice. So don't do that. But what you can do <laughs> is just go to to BibleGateway.com or whatever mm-hmm. and type in angel, mm-hmm. and. Angels are referenced um, almost 300 times, uh, Old and New Testament. Uh, There's about 75 times that angels are quoted saying something. So that'll give you an idea Mm -hmm. of what angels do or don't do. Um, We do know, again, let's see here. Angels are created beings and they haven't always existed. Um, they certainly don't exist in the same way that we do. Um, there, we only know again, you know, you have to be careful of not, we don't have something that says there are only three types of angels. Hmm. What I would say is there are only three types of angels named in the scripture. Hmm. There's the cherubim, Mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, seem to, you know, one, they, they guarded the, the entrance to the Garden mm-hmm. of Eden. Um, God is enthroned ab- above them. I mean, there's just a number of references to them. There's the seraphim that is that mm-hmm. I think they're only named in Isaiah chapter six, and they're just worshiping. What you mostly mm-hmm. see angels doing is worshiping and bring and delivering messages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, and then there's just a generic li- living creatures mm-hmm. <laughs> only. Um, only two angels are named, Michael and Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, angels seem to have some kind of hierarchy because Michael's called an archangel. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. I got. Uh, they're not omnipresent, which so they're not they're not all knowing everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's God's thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we don't know how many angels there are. The Bible, when it references is numbers it seems to say there's too many to count kind of thing Mm -hmm. idea um the guardian angel idea there's scripture that point to some kind of let's see and again you can go to 
BibleGateway.com. There's some scripture that there's about three scripture that we probably base the idea of a guardian angel around Hebrews one, Matthew eighteen, Psalm ninety one. Mm-hmm. That because it says they uh, are in Hebrews are not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Mm-hmm. And then in Matthew eighteen says, see that the, you do not, not despise these little ones, uh, this Jesus, for I say to you that you're, this is Jesus saying this, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my father who's in heaven. So mm-hmm. that would be a verse that people definitely said, oh, see, we have guardian angels. Mm-hmm. Psalm 91, he will give his angels charge concerning you to mm-hmm. guard you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to me, though, that in all these places, it's plural. Yeah. Like, so it's not like... You are you... assigned one angel. <laughs> yeah, like in yeah. Uh, It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. which I love that whole scene in the whole movie. But, um, you know, he has his angel who won't get his wings if he doesn't come help him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, it seems in the scripture that angels worship. They mm-hmm. are... They serve God. Uh, they serve judgment. Again, we don't like mm-hmm. that one, so we'll say, no, they don't do that. Uh, just general service. They uh, deliver messages. They give the law in Acts chapter 7. Uh, they bring about revelation, which is what they're doing, what Gabriel's doing uh, with Mary and Joseph. Uh, it happens again in Acts. Um, they, yeah, uh, they redeem. Um, they serve Christ. Um So lots of info. Yeah, lots of info. Thank There's you. a lot out That's there, cool. and and I think they. Yes, I definitely think they still exist. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what can hearing from an angel look like today? Is it a? We're not saying that it it, it can't happen that you mm-hmm. can be awoken and mm-hmm. you know see a heavenly mm-hmm. being full of light around them and give mm-hmm. you a message. Mm-hmm. But is that all that it is, or what are your thoughts on that? Mm. I think uh, the spiritual realm is you know, filled with um, spiritual beings. Um, Again, that passage in Hebrews seems to say that you might entertain an angel, I think, in a sense, have an encounter and not know it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, My own personal experience is that I've never seen an angel, but I have been with people who have, and I believe Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. My, I do believe that they appear and are here and show up in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. But the people I've had understanding Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. have been more overseas. I was in a country in 2019 with a group of people who, in a country that's probably like less than 1% Christian. Um, And it's interesting to me because people will always say, well, you're Christian because you grew up in America. And then they'll be mm. like, so those people are are this religion because they grew up in that country. Mm. And the interesting thing to me is that, uh, you know, Christianity is not cultural, right? And I think we're seeing that start to happen with other religions. But for r- Christianity is really one of the first that very quickly expanded beyond a region and be expanded outside of parts of the of the world. You know, to think about a religion that that technically, I guess you say, began in Nazareth and Bethlehem and Judea. And now people say, it's, you're a Christian because you're American. You know, it's like, oh, well, that's not really where it started. Anyway, all that to say, um, I've had the privilege of getting to be with Christians in all kinds of places and all kinds of cultures and all kinds of 
countries. And I was with a group of, of, of new Christians. And in this particular part of the world where they don't have access to the written word of God, to the scripture, and uh, now they have access. I mean, they've been given it, but you would not easily find a Bible in mm-hmm. this country. That I mean, someone's smuggling it into you to get it right. Mm-hmm. And multiple people in this circle had s- stories of part of their revelation of coming to faith in Christ began with s- a- an angel in a dream, mm. um, an encounter mm. with a spir- what felt like a spiritual being in their mm-hmm. arena, in their, um, and I... I believe them. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I believe them, one, is that they have no cultural or s- status or anything to, why would they be a Christian in that country? Mm-hmm. In America, what gets hard is that somebody ha- sees an e- angel and they write a book and they go on a tour and they build a whole <laughs> thing around it. And I don't yeah. know if I believe them, I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but these people sitting in this room where we had to have people guarding to make sure no one was hearing, oh. where we had to, you know, for them to be able to tell their story to me and some other Americans that were there was really dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't need to make up stories to impress us. It's not going to help them financially. It's not right. going to help them in any, any way. But they had an in- authentic encounter with a spiritual being, whether in a dream, a vision in a dream or outside of that that then led them uh, not to angel worship or to angels, but to Jesus. Mm. And so, yeah. And if you've never like read the Bible, you can't make up like an angel came into my dream. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. you've read the Bible, you can kind of fictionalize like and Mm -hmm. copy and paste Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you, if you've never read it, then you would be like, this thing appeared to me and you don't know what an angel actually is. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and I think, you know, what it does for me too is, and then the sitting again with those these friends and people is that, of course, their appreciation and value of the written scripture in the Bible. And because then they're led to the re- revelation of actually who Christ is and to the scripture. And... Um, it breaks my heart that we don't love the scripture in America. Hmm. We want revelation like that. And mm-hmm. revelation like that leads us to the scripture that we already have. Many of us have multiple Bibles. <laughs> you can walk into any bookstore and buy a Bible, buy a Bible right, mm-hmm. in, in, in our country. Um, I remember being in another different foreign country and uh, meeting somebody who wanted to have a Bible. And... Um, and for them to get a Bible from a church would be dangerous at that time for them. Mm-hmm. And um, they, this person went all around their you know, city of five million, spent days, finally found a, a Bible, but it wasn't really a Bible. It was a, um, a book about the Bible mm-hmm. in their language in a, in a bookstore. And this is again a, a city of five million, lots of bookstores, wow. and um, and then I was able to get her a actual Bible in her heart language. But and then we began to read through it. But um, you know, yeah, we we uh, we want we want angels to appear. We want all the things to happen, mm-hmm. and yet we already have in front of us God's word and, yeah. mm-hmm. and His revelation to us that's living and it's active and it's supernatural. Yeah, that's so good. So, well, Cheryl. You're teaching next weekend as well. Mm-hmm. 
Is it hard for you as a communicator to do two weekends in a row besides the marathon of writing two sermons? Mm -hmm. Is it hard to, if you do have two things in a row mm -hmm. to not, they don't get intertwined. You, you're teeing up one and talking mm -hmm. about the other. Mm -hmm. So for this one that we have coming up, um, how are you doing with that? And is it more or less difficult mm -hmm. being on the heels of a sermon that you just preached? Yeah, you know, I will say this. Um, in, in our current reality at Menlo, it is hard because I don't, it, I just, <laughs> I've got five jobs right now. Yeah. yeah. And in my past life, when I would be preparing like teaching series or different things like that in different contexts, um, I actually enjoy, I think it helps you to preach multiple in a row because then you help yourself not be redundant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can build upon. So there's that part of it when I can build in a series and spend more time. And typically in some of those contexts, I would, I usually the summer was when I would work out all the teaching, like if I was doing a series in a, in a certain context of Bible study or that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, so then it was really helpful because I had time, I had space, I didn't, ha you know, and it was part of my job in that sense. So I will say it is harder to go back to back because of bandwidth. Um, but even now, I'm already finding myself as I'm, you know, working on next week's message, um, you know, connecting it to this last week, too. And um, in good ways, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really I mean, again, you know, this this has been a funny and this is so me, though. I'm you know, uh, it just feels more in my face again because of not having the bandwidth where uh, where if I could typically if I'm doing back to back messages, I've maybe worked on them months or begun the processes of them far earlier. Mm. Um, but uh you know, I was supposed to preach on Mary, ended up on Zechariah. I was supposed to preach on Herod, and I've mm. done a lot of work around mm -hmm. Herod. And I am still preaching the same passage, but where I'm, I feel like the emphasis is actually taking me more deeper into um, the Magi mm. with a different, just, I, I've just been intrigued by the scribes and the Pharisees in this, sec mm. in this passage. And, um, so, you know, you asked about like even on the Zachariah thing, how I got there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, sermon prep is this strange, neurotic soup. Everyone's processes are different. Everyone's thing is different. But I do think, um, I think everyone I know who preached takes very, very seriously, mm -hmm. like the the holiness and the, of the privilege to get to take God's word and put it out in front of people and and that this is this is sacred mm -hmm. um and then it is supernatural like what you really want to accomplish only God by his spirit will accomplish and so there's this there's this soup of um the the prep, the exegetical work right the the study of the scripture the study of the passage the study of the book of the bible or the whatever it is that you're in then there's this prayer thing that goes along right where mm -hmm. you're like um just you're desperate like god help me not to one 
handle your word inaccurately because we're all tempted to do that and we all are capable of that Um, because I'm not inerrant. (laughs) I'm not infallible, but I believe God's word is infallible. Um, So I can handle it incorrectly and I can make it, you know, something I want it to be. I can spin it. Um, I can, you know, so then there's this prayer piece that is just... um, you know, again, all my preaching friends, I think they all, we all have these, we talk about, you know, please, 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 God, mm-hmm. um, take me where you want me to, t- you know, mm-hmm. you know this, these people that I'm going to be preaching to, you mm-hmm. love them more than I could ever love them. What do you want? Yeah. And so, yeah, so there's that that piece that I think ends up taking you places that you didn't always think mm-hmm. you'd go or give me insights into this passage or whatever. So, But there's also nothing new i think if you find something new you should be afraid that's probably (laughs) heresy right yeah and so here's just a funny story about this last Hmm. week so i'm preaching on zachariah and to be honest i'm kind of thinking like i've got some really cool insights here about the like his age Mm -hmm. right like i'd never i didn't read that in something i was just ruminating on that yeah (laughs) the week before i preach (laughs) i think uh, John Ortberg, his little podcasty thing he does. He talked about Zachariah, another <laughs> podcast I was listening to. They were talking and talked about the age thing. And and then my ego wants to tell people, hey, I thought about this on my own yeah. before I listened. I yeah. But you know what? And I was kind of laughing at myself because I was noticing my ego mm-hmm. coming up. And uh, and it was like, and I, I, again, I had a seminary professor who said this. If you have a new thought about the scripture or the Bible, you should be afraid be very afraid Hmm. so yeah or maybe it's like you're saying it's new to you (laughs) yes yes but then you do a little research you're like oh no everybody's been talking about this for two thousand years yeah Yeah. but if it's like brand new brand new that no one else has said this Mm -hmm. that's yes definitely worries them yeah yeah (laughs) well well cheryl thank you so much for your coming on i feel like every once in a while we get messages from our speakers that Mm -hmm. are it, you can tell that it's coming from a deep place. Yeah. And it's not just something that they studied for a week and a half mm-hmm. or two weeks. And it's not just spoken very well, but it's actually mm-hmm. coming from a place of like from their heart. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is one yeah. of those messages. So yeah, I really you. appreciate you sharing thank and you. appreciate the time and the intentionality that went in behind that. Thank and you. so um, last week we ended with actually the first meditation from mm. this week. So we're going to do that again. Okay. So if you don't know what mental meditations are, there are Advent podcasts that are released as well. You can find them wherever you get podcasts. And so they're a short two-minute dose of Jesus to start your day, Mm. intentionally made to be listened to in the morning, to just have your mind slow down and focus on Jesus. So let's cut to that. This is the first episode from this week. Cheryl, thanks again so much for being on here, and we'll see everyone later. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye. Let's start by taking two deep breaths. Our passage for today is from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. Imagine Jesus saying, Come to me and receive my joy. I am a good father, and nothing fills my heart more than watching you overflow with joy. I'm talking about a joy that is deeper than happiness, a joy that permeates darkness, a joy that only comes from me. One of the best examples I have given you on this side of heaven to see what joy truly looks like is a child. When you watch a little one laugh so hard that their cheeks turn red, when they smile as though they've won the lottery when given a simple gift, even in the mundane, in the in-between moments of life, when you hear them contently singing softly to themselves in their car seat. There is a pure and unhindered joy that flows from a child that is cared for. They have an unwavering trust that they will be protected, loved, and provided for. This same joy will overflow from your heart when you look to me with the same childlike faith. From the beginning of time, I have cared for you. I have provided for you. I have loved you. I became flesh and bone, born as a helpless child, entered your darkness to overcome it with my light, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This Christmas, may you find yourself overflowing with childlike joy because of your faith in me. Grace and peace to you this Christmas.